Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Happy Wednesday. Today is September 2nd, 2015. I'm Michelle Pichet, filling in for Jeannie, and I'm here today with Dr. Timothy Hayes, who's filling in for Michael. We warmly welcome you to the show, and thank you for choosing to be with us. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk with our host. We encourage you to call in with your comments or questions, allowing you to actively strengthen and deepen your practice. Now, let's welcome Tim in support of developing our inner process of Aramaic forgiveness. Thank you, Michelle. How are you today? I'm lovely today. I feel, feel happy to be here and um, pumped up. I uh, schedule my clients for um, the rest of the day. So after this, back to back until, until it's time to go to bed. So good way to start my uh start my day. So do you have any anything interesting to share with us or a topic of interest you want us to cover today? Hmm. Um well my husband's on his way to Ann Arbor driving uh commuting and I just shared with me and I said I couldn't spend a lot of time on the phone but that I invite you to listen to the show so I brought a stranger to the show today. As far as topics, um, well, why don't we um, give me a minute to think about that while you talk about the intro and okay. what well, forgiveness is all about. I'm just throwing that open because at the end of our last show, there was still some, right near the end, you were asking a question about things and I had a response, but it was had to be brief because it was near the end of the show. So if there's anything related to that you want to talk about or clarify, Here's Did our you, uh, intro. This is. Go ahead. No, I'll wait. I'll wait until after. Thanks. So this is the Mind Shifters Radio, and our primary purpose for being here is to teach and support people in using the ancient Aramaic technology of forgiveness. And most of these shows begin with some form of a, an intro or a set of ideas that's come to Michael's mind. <clears throat> that he wants to share about the core tool of forgiveness. And the essence of it is that forgiveness is an ancient concept that relates to my understanding that I have a mind and a body energy system, 
and that I can't feel anything in that mind-body energy system that isn't created within that system. So if I have any kind of fear, anger, sadness, hurt, or neglect, a feeling of abandonment or confusion or sadness, that's something that's being created within my own system by the thoughts I'm choosing to focus on. And if I understand that, I can counteract the culture's conditioning, which has me chasing around after people and events and situations that look to me through my mind's eyes as though they're causing my pain. And if I take full responsibility for everything I'm creating in my emotions and my reactions, and if I've been taught the tool of forgiveness, I literally have the ability to change what I'm feeling in every moment. And as one spiritual teacher, Abraham Hicks, says, the most important creation of mine in every moment is my emotions, is how I feel. Because, as Michael Rice would tell you, it's possible to measure the high-frequency energy wave that leaves your mind every time you think a thought. And that high-energy wave literally sets up a field of attraction and draws to me the people and the events in life that allow me to understand more about what's going on in my mind-body energy system, in my unconscious. It's not drawing these events and people to me as a punishment, even though these events and people and situations might resonate, energies of fear or pain or sadness I have in me. It's showing it to me so that I can remove it. And the tool for removing the anger, fear, sadness, or traumatic energies in my mind-body energy system is called forgiveness. The core of that process is about canceling the goals, putting away my trifling treasures and letting go of everything I thought I wanted and leaving a clear and open space where something more intelligent or something more powerful or something more joyful and full of the life force of creative energy then my conscious logical mind can come and, and act on me. And if I do that, moment by moment, I literally have the ability to create happiness or contentment or gratitude in my life day after day, moment by moment. That's what we're here to support. The tool for that is called Forgiveness. It's available on the website at www.whyagain.org. If you go to that web page and click on the link that says Start Here in the upper left-hand corner, or if you click on the link that looks like a red and white bullseye near the center of the page, it will take you to a page where you can download Chapter 24 of Dr. Rice's book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? The entire book is available to be read on the website, but that Chapter 24 specifically talks about the worksheet process, the forgiveness process. It also gives you uh, a link to download the most recent version of the seven-step worksheet process, which Michael hails as the <clears throat> best response, the quickest response, the most efficient way to get people to tap into and understand the tool of forgiveness. And then there's a link where he says, I, I believe now he's saying there are 16 different audio files that are available for download. 
And those audio files are of radio shows like this where Michael or Jeannie has stepped somebody through the worksheet process, real people calling in with a problem, stepped through the worksheet process so you can see example after example of how to apply this process in your life in practical terms to improve the quality of your life, to improve your experience of your emotions moment to moment, to improve your relationships, to improve your health. That's what we're here to support. Again, it's www.whyagain.org. And our call-in number is 646-200-4169. If you press 1 once you're in the queue, that will let Michelle know that you're there. So, Michelle, what was your comment or question? Well, um, right now um, the chat room is quiet and nobody's here to hand up. So, uh, yeah, on Monday what I um, walked away was was just, you know, um, some more information from your disclosure and how you described it and went to um, process and I was thinking of different examples um, for myself to see if I could put it in a framework for understanding and I went in my mailbox and um, there was the October copy of Psychology Today and the front cover is a woman and her entire face is red. She looks like she's a pretty girl but like a devil face, red skin. And uh, the big black letters, bigger than the Psychology Day title, said Wicked Thoughts how to deal with your worst impulses. I think I like the 10-page article. It's so long about all the different forms of um, thoughts that bubble up, morbid, creepy thoughts, uh, sexual thoughts, prejudiced thoughts, um, thoughts of harm or murder. So, and it, and it goes on to, um, you know, talk about how the different aspects and some research and stuff. So, I actually um, wanted to um, read a little paragraph here because I think it's just so interesting um, as far as how it ties in with a lot of the um, work related to um, content and the unconscious and what Carl Jung defined as that uh, shadow self. So um, it says, it's surprising how little control we seem to have over the timing and content of bad thoughts. In a lion-like experiment back in the 80s, Psychologist Eric Klinger of the University of Minnesota asked volunteers to record what they were thinking whenever a handheld device chirped over the course of a week. Within a 16-hour day, he found people have about 500 thoughts that are unintentional and intrusive, and that last about 14 seconds on average. While most dealt with the concerns of everyday life, 18% were considered unacceptable, uncomfortable, or just plain bad, politically incorrect, or mean thoughts. And then the remaining 13% were ugly, out of character, or downright shocking, say murderous or perverse ideas. So what is that? 31% of the thoughts were in that, I would classify negative um, category. The Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung was among the first to grapple deeply with wicked thoughts. In his Psychology of the Unconscious, he observed that every person has a shadow self. This self, he explains, is the unconscious part of our psyche, a a repository of base animal instincts and dark desires. We repress it, but only for so long before a possible outburst. 
Where did this dark side come from? The part of the mind we don't identify with and over which we have little say. If, as neuroscience often describes it, a set of cognitive processes gives rise to the I that we think of ourselves, our normal, decent, rational side, other processes must give rise to a darker, irrational mind in which intrusive thoughts lurk. So his theory is, is that the preconscious mechanism in the brain is always scanning the environment for underlying concerns and cues that tap into our emotions. When we encounter a trigger, a renegade thought or seemingly out of nowhere, they um, call these thoughts random and completely out of our control. He, in Free Will, he writes, the idea that we conscious beings are deeply responsible for the character of our mental lives and subsequent behavior is simply impossible to map onto reality. So I thought we should maybe talk a little bit about that because there's some parts that seem to fit um, right along lines of Michael's work and content and file folders and triggers. And then... You know, there's other other parts about um, what he he said at the end about not necessarily being able to be responsible for some of that stuff. Okay, well, that's a rich pile it's, of stuff. <laughs> well, I'm, you, you, I'm sure you got a copy laying around your uh, waiting room, so it's fascinating. Well, okay, but here's the thing. Yeah. Psychology Today, bless their hearts, they're doing the best they can with what they have. It's the same with Newtonian physics. They're doing the best they can with the knowledge base they have, with what they've been taught. The vast majority of articles I've ever read in any psychology magazine, whether it's Psychotherapy Networker or Psychology Today or... Uh, even the more serious ones, are using the base assumption that we are biological machines and they're trying to study and come up with scientific proof of their theories or their hypotheses to feed a theory. And when you do that, you are limited by your primary base assumptions. So... What they're talking about there is a file folder effect, and they're talking about simply the carbon-based memory. In, in Dr. Michael Rice's work, they're talking about simply the human brain and simply limited to the patterns that we learned as that brain evolved to keep us safe physically and how those patterns that we learned to keep ourselves safe physically which involved scanning the environment constantly for any sign of threat and and was perhaps very good at keeping us alive physically so that we could pass on our genes and procreate and keep the species going. That system has been adopted, not adapted, adopted as is into the mental, emotional, psychological realm where it's completely unnecessary and counterproductive. So that's one critical piece. Yes, we do have this tendency, and if you read a book like Buddha's Brain, you can see these tendencies that they map out about how we tend to over-predict negative outcomes or negative events 
which helps keep us safe. Because if I run and hide from every noise, it may not be a tiger that I'm hiding from, but I will also be hiding from the tiger. I may spend 90% of my time hiding every time I hear a noise, and I'll be safe. But I'm probably only running from a tiger or something that could hurt me 10% of the time. That means 80% of the time I'm running and hiding for no good reason. Well, mentally and emotionally, we do that to ourselves 95 to 99% of the time. We put ourselves through mental, emotional, and psychological pain that is completely unnecessary, but it's based upon what we were taught from the culture, the conditioning of the culture, the belief systems, and what we got from our bloodlines and what we were taught from our parents growing up about what's important and what's good and what's bad. And so some fundamental shifts have to take place if we want to get some liberty restored. We have to understand the difference between winning someone's approval and being the energy of love. And most of us have completely switched those two definitions around. So if I do something that someone else's approval someone else approves of, then they treat me nicely and I think, oh, they love me. And as we've talked about many times on this show, no one can love me because love is not an action that people do. It's not a verb. It's the energy of creation. It's the stuff we're made of. So someone can learn to be themselves and extend that energy of love in every interaction but I can't do love. So there's a fundamental break there. There's also the fundamental break about believing that I have to be um, responsible in a labeled or a structured systematic sense for what I'm thinking, and then I have to label it a bad thought or a horrible thought or a politically incorrect thought, and then I have to try and do something to make sure that doesn't happen again or that I... Furthermore, that I punish myself for having had a thought go through my mind. And this is one of the areas where a lot of people run screaming for the the woods because the further you go along a spiritual path, the more you have to come to terms with the fact that it's all okay. And I don't want to judge myself or beat myself up for anything I've done in the past or any negative thoughts I have, I want to learn to move to the place of observation where I understand that my true nature, my core is this energy of love, the the energy that you see or feel when you hold a newborn child, as Michael likes to talk about. That in my core nature can never be damaged, dented, rusted, chipped away, or broken in any way. So if I have a series of negative thoughts go through my head, that doesn't make my value any more or any less than if I have a whole series of positive, compassionate, generous thoughts go through my head. What makes it one thing or another in my experience is whether or not I'm willing to just allow it, breathe through it and let it flow, and then choose from a higher faculty of spiritual awareness which ones to act on, or whether I'm going to grab it, 
judge it, label it, and identify with it as meaning that I'm bad or I'm somehow in need of changing something because I had a thought about running my car into a an abutment or punching somebody when they run me off, you know, pull in front of me and then my car or, you know, I want to yell at somebody because they aren't doing things exactly the way I want to in the fast food line or whatever. So it's very complex, but I think one of the big problems you're going to have if you pick up an article like that and try to improve your life with it is that's only looking at your mind and body as it's a biological machine. And as so many people have pointed out in so many good movies and books, we are not just a biological machine. You know, if you have a machine like a car and it runs well or it doesn't run so well, you can take it apart, take every piece apart, clean it up, replace the broken ones, put it back together, and the machine will go up and start running. But if you have a dog and you dissect it and separate out all the parts, you know, and you have the most skilled surgeon in the world, and then they reassemble all the parts, the dog is not going to get up and start barking. It's just like the person. We are far more than the sum of our parts. And these processes that so-called psychologists and scientists go through to understand the human and quantify it are beginning with the assumption that we're a biological machine. And so, therefore, all of the conclusions and the processes for healing or fixing or changing this system for the better are going to be severely limited by that fundamental assumption, by that fundamental base conclusion. So I'll take a breath and ask if I've lost you completely or this is making any sense or if you'd like a point of clarification. Um, well, I, I think what the article's intention is is very similar to what you're saying now in terms of, you know, not condemning ourselves for emotions that are so much of our everyday lives and that, you know, accepting them, allowing them to move through you, experiencing them and, letting, you know, letting it go really is um, a guilt-free endeavor that, you know, maybe what gets tied up is, like you pointed out, where somehow um, it's shameful to be um, thinking these thoughts or or just that, that you notice that they were there. Oh, my gosh. And so um, I think that's helpful. We also have a couple of people with their hand up, and I'm not sure if they have questions or want to um, comment on the topic here, but do you want to take a caller? All right. This is area code 872. You're on the air. Who do we have and where are you calling from? Hi, my name's Mickey. I'm calling from Chicago. Hello, Mickey. Hello. How can we help you? How can we support you today? If anybody gets here, it's me. Um, I know exactly where you're coming from because I feel like my life has been like, imagine a glass bottle and you throw it on the ground and it's all broken, and I'm trying to pick up the pieces of my life 
and put it back together. And I've been trying to go through and forgive and move beyond things in my life from the past. And as I try to forgive, it brings up a lot of bitterness, hatred, anger, feelings. And I'm, I'm, it's almost like I have roadblocks. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm stuck and I, and I don't know how to get past that. And I was calling and maybe just asking you for help. All right. That's an excellent question. Let's start by helping you understand what in this work we mean by the word forgiveness. In this work, it's understood that in our culture today when people say, I forgive you, what they're really talking about is pardoning somebody. We're talking about having reached a consensus that what somebody did is absolutely wrong and deserves to be punished, but the other party who was offended or hurt can be the bigger person and say, okay, we all agree that what you did was wrong and you've apologized, so now instead of making you pay your fine or making you go to jail or making you whatever, I forgive you, I pardon you, and then I let you off the hook for what you did. I let you off the hook for the punishment that we all agree you deserve. That's a nice thing to do. It can help me, if I decide to pardon somebody, save some of my energy that I would normally put into the bitterness or the resentment or the hope for vengeance. But that has nothing to do with the concept of forgiveness. The concept of forgiveness comes from a bigger system, an understanding that we are not just physical beings occasionally having a psychological or a spiritual experience, that we are connected to everyone and everything, that the truth of our nature is this energy of love and can't be hurt or damaged or dented. So the tool of forgiveness is based on the understanding that if I have fear come up in me, that came from energies that are already in my mind-body energy system. They're yeah. not caused. They're not caused by an event outside me. Right. Give me your. Give, give me your first name. Give me your first name again. Mickey. Mickey. So let's say Mickey calls the radio show and asks a question, and I'm sitting here thinking I have to be the expert and come up with the perfect answer, and I say something that I think is brilliant, and Mickey says, "Well, I don't get that at all," and you're way off the mark. And all of a sudden, I notice an energy in me that feels angry or that feels afraid. The point is, I had that energy in me before Mickey ever called. Mickey didn't cause me to feel anger. Mickey didn't cause me to feel fear. Because I know this work and this tool, if I have that energy come up in the middle of a discussion, whether it's with Mickey or Michelle or anybody else, I have learned turn my focus inside myself to quit trying to convince Mickey of anything, to quit beating myself up for not doing it right, and go inside myself, use the tool of forgiveness to remove the energy of fear or anger that was in me before the outside triggering event ever happened. And in that case... I learn to value the outside triggering events because they help me see what I need to get rid of so that tomorrow I have less anger and fear in me. I have a lighter, 
a brighter, a more joyful, a more effective, creative life. And the tool for that is available on our website. I'm assuming, based on what you said, that you've just recently found this radio show and these tools. Is that correct? Mickey? Yes, I, I, yes, you're right. So the first thing I would suggest you do is go to the website at whyagain.org, W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N.org. You don't even have to put your name on a mailing list. You don't have to pay a cent. If you have a computer, you can go there and download Dr. Michael Rice's book, the worksheet process we're talking about, and at least 12, if not 16 hours of radio shows like this where people are stepped through the forgiveness process to remove what doesn't belong inside of themselves. It has nothing to do with forgiving anybody else or forgiving themselves because the word forgive in the ancient Aramaic was shabag, which means to cancel or dismantle or remove. So forgiveness is removing the energy of anger and fear and sadness and hurt from inside me so that I can have a more direct experience of my true nature in every moment. And when I do that, what to do about, for, and with other people in relationship just acts on me. I don't have to think about it. It's given to me from a clearer, more powerful mind than the conscious logical mind. Okay. So So the first thing to do is explore this tool. And I can't encourage you to explore it too much. There, you don't have to pay a, a penny. And this tool is so good. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist in Illinois. I have donated my time for the last 10 years, three hours a night, prime billable hours, just to run a support group to teach this tool to people because it's that okay. good. See, the thing in my life that I that I can't stand is like, I, I can't stand feeling like that little kid hiding in the closet full of fear. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. You know, like it makes just, it makes perfect sense. It means you've got a lot of the energy of fear in you, and it's probably tied to a lot of past experiences, but it's probably also tied to what your mother and father went through and what their grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-great-grandparents went through. And now it's energy that's in you, and it's there to be rec- uh, to resonate it or triggered by practically any event. A change in the wind, somebody gives you the wrong look, somebody doesn't you know, respond the way you want to a comment you made. And this tool is there to help you go in and identify the energies within yourself of fear and dismantle them. Because okay. underneath, underneath that fear is a strength, is a courage, is a confidence, is an energy of love and creation, is a creativity, is a relationship based in that energy of love that will just start to blossom from you when you remove the energies that don't belong. Yes, and, and, and I know deep inside me, I know that I'm more than this. And it drives me crazy, you know. I'm, I know that I'm bigger than this, and it and it just it, it seems like I'm carrying this baggage around with me every day. And here's the tool to help you unload the bag. Okay. So thank please, you. Please, for for your own sake, go to the website and download the worksheet process. 
download Chapter 24 of Michael's book if you like to read, or if you just like to listen, download the audio files of websites of the web shows where Michael has stepped people through that worksheet process, and you've got at least 12 hours of instruction. And one of the most powerful tools that I have run across in my 41 years of doing therapy with people that can help you even if you never call this show again, but we would invite you to call back and ask your questions to clarify, even if you never had a support group to go to, you could use this tool to change your life as hundreds and thousands of people have. And we'd thank love you to support very- you in doing that. Yes, thank and, you. And, and you said you were calling from somewhere in Chicago? Yeah, the south suburbs. Okay. Well, I don't currently know of any uh, support groups that are going on close to there. My my support groups are running in Crystal Lake and Woodstock, but if you go to the website, there's also a, a, a page where they talk about where the current mind shifter groups are, which could support you in learning to use this tool and then applying it. But I appreciate All the right. call, Mickey. Is there anything else we can do to support you today? No, you've done enough, and I'll get right on the computer. Thanks again. All right, you're very welcome. Good luck. Thank you. Michelle, you said we have another hand up? Oh, we do. It looks like Sunny's calling in here. I haven't heard her voice in a while. Hello, Sunny. Hi there. How are you? Hello, Sunny. (laughs) Well, Dr. Tim, um, I may have a bit of a hydra effect going on here. And um, every day this week has been that sensation of what some might recognize as being Friday. I've thought, literally thought, that every day was Friday (laughs) since Monday. (laughs) Um, To kind of give you an idea, my original interest in work, maybe 10, 12 years ago with Michael, was the key to our generational curses from biblical senses, okay, and the generational work that we can do. And my family's generations, the story has been largely alcoholism. And I've been working kind of on like, I've got like 20 different worksheets going on at the same time here. Um, I had an experience on Saturday with my daughter who has been contending with the symptoms of type 1 diabetes since she was about 10. And since she's been with me this past year, she's been improving and things have been changing. And here we're trawling through our life. We had an experience with each other on Saturday that found me in total upset. I mean, beyond, oh my, it was, and I couldn't bring myself to do, I mean, I couldn't even find myself. By Sunday, actually by Monday, as things progressed with her symptoms and things changed, we learned that my daughter, praise God and thank you everyone for your prayers, she's still receiving too much insulin. And it's turning to blood alcohol. So I don't know where I am in. I mean, I'm kind of getting emotions here. I'm so grateful at the same time. This is like a really crucial time. I'm feeling like I'm having to forgive the experiences between us. I don't know what to forgive is my question. Okay, um, well, 
And in, 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 in the first place, let's clarify the use of the word forgive. You can't forgive the experiences between the two of you because <laughs> you, they happened, and you can't go back and remove the experiences, and you can't forgive your daughter because you can't remove her, and you can't forgive yourself because you can't remove yourself. Right. So you said you had a lot of worksheets going. Could you please pick one and ask for specific help with that? Well, that um, putting my finger on it is my question because I've been working with the mind shifter from Michael um, on receiving. And this is receiving. This is a huge blessing. Um, but I just, it, with all these emotions and deep-seated stuff, um, I don't know what to work on in the moment. I mean, am I, am I doing worksheets on diabetes? Am I doing worksheets on alcoholism? You're um, always doing worksheets. You're always going to want to do worksheets. Hold on a minute, Sonny. You're always okay. going to want to do worksheets on what's up for you in the moment. So right now when your voice is quivering and there are tears up, take a breath. Get in touch with that thought or that physical sensation or that emotion and target it for dismantling. Well, then maybe it's just huge blessings come in strange forms. I, I don't know because behind all of that drama and story, I'm just so gratit- great, you know, grateful um, that I just... I want to be sure that I am putting the proper energy in the right area for her right now. Um, are we still well, the proper working energy, on... The proper energy will always be love. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and let me just ask again, since you said you have a lot of different worksheets going, if I'm going to be able to assist you, I would need to ask you to provide me with one of those worksheets where you're stuck. Well, that's where I'm at. The experience of as actually forgiving myself for how I responded to her diabetes. Because frankly, that's why she's come to live with me. Is that her father didn't understand the personality changes and things that were happening with her and just identified and treated her very poorly and it wasn't her Okay, so when so when you say that you want to forgive yourself for how you treated her, you <laughs> well, can't do that. Either of us responded to this hidden okay, flow. Okay, so, so take a breath. Take a breath. So you cannot forgive yourself for how you responded to her. And yet, there might be a lot of forgiveness work to do around how you feel today when you think about how you responded to her. So if you, t- if you stop right now and you take a breath and you think about how you responded to her and her diabetes, are you happy about that? Are you proud of that? No. <laughs> All right. Neither. Then what word, then stick with me, what word would you put on the feeling you have now when you think back to how you treated your daughter and her diabetes. Pick a specific interaction 
where you're not happy with it, what word would you put on the feeling that comes up when you remember what you did in response to your daughter's diabetes when she came to live with you? It's almost like the full circle of the definition of the word forsaken. That's a thought. I was very much I have been forsaken. I have been forsaken or I have forsaken somebody else. If you think I have forsaken someone else or I have been forsaken, what emotion comes up for you? Obviously a great deal of sadness. So you would get your worksheet out and you would put the emotion of sadness in 1B. And then you would say, I, Sonny, who am love, feel sadness. And then you would jump right down to the thought that's creating that sadness and you would put in this thought about how I have forsaken my daughter. And then you can process through the rest of the worksheet by simply reading the prompts and filling in the cues. Right. Filling in the blanks based on those cues. And I I can I don't know how to say it more strongly. This is the most useful thing I can do for you is to encourage you to quit talking about this, take a breath, get a worksheet and go put I, Sunny, who am love, feel sadness. And in the thought in 1D, put I believe I forsook, I have forsaken my daughter. And then do the rest of the worksheet, watch what comes up, be willing to make notes, because as you said in the beginning of your call, it may be the Hydra effect. Have a stack of worksheets with you, and make yeah. notes about all the other worksheets that will come up. Begin there or keep spinning. The right. choice is your and, Right. And I have processed to those points and that's where I say it's um we're we're pretty much beyond that our you know, with each other and in our worksheet process. It's just You're this, you're, you're beyond what? The the sadness, and then we're on to the gratitude, and it's it was almost a healing crisis that was totally misinterpreted, and um, and then just healing, you know, healing any of any of anything that came up through the experience, as you just said, you know, the sadness and feeling, you know, just really being very sure that we've we've really released that each other and with ourselves, you know. Um, how how so how would you be sure feeling of feeling of uh, pardon me? How would you be sure of that? Well, it's an ongoing process and, and a constant mental awareness and consciousness with each other, you know. Of, which, means, oh, no, which, no. Means you, which means you will never be sure of it. Right. I so mean, cancel the goal to be sure of that, and there's another worksheet for you to do. Okay. Sorry. Um, I do appreciate your time. I'm just really still very much hoping, and I do, I want to thank everyone who is listening who has definitely been praying for my daughter and I, and I know Michael has a great interest in my daughter's recovery process here. Um, but I'm really starting to see the generational alcoholism that is attempting to still operate in and through my child, and I'm, we're really working on our generation being free of this. And... Um, 
it was just hiding behind a word called diabetes, and uh, that's where I'm just really trying to to calculate, and I'm going to do most set it, regulatory, figure out which are the most effective worksheets for her vicariously and myself right now. Okay. All right. Well, I, I would encourage you to maybe go back and tap into the conversation on the show on Monday, and that's talking about generational patterns, and Stuart called in from Colorado, and and uh, Rex said, okay, but just be careful you don't build into too big a thing. And then my comment was, this is another part of that pattern of trying to figure things out, and you will never figure out just what the best next worksheet is. Don't even try unless you want to spin, and if you want to spin, that's a good way to spin and waste a lot of energy. Well, thank I would go you. back to what I said earlier, which is just deal with whatever energy is the most intense in you right now. Okay. So be careful of the trap of trying to figure it out and trying to build, I've got this big structure in my mind, and now I know where this came from. This is a cross-generational pattern about alcoholism, and that's, now how do I spend my time figuring out the next best worksheet to do? That's spinning. And the whole time I'm talking about that, I'm not doing any worksheets. I'm not removing any unhealthy or disintegrative energies. And so exactly. that's the best I've got for you. God bless you. I thank you because you hit it right on the head, Dr. Tim. I can't thank you enough. You're very welcome. Keep us posted. All righty. All right. Thanks thank for the call. God bless you. Take care. So, Michelle, questions or comments or answers from you? Um, no, not right now. The chat room is extremely quiet today, and nobody has a hand up. We've got 14 minutes left. So we have a brand-new caller today, Mickey from Chicago. We've got a tap into several conversations from the past couple of weeks about cross-generational patterns. We've got the idea of trying to figure things out and how we make things more complex rather than just dismantling them. So... If you've been listening and this has resonated anything for you, please press 1 and let Michelle know you've got a question or a comment. So, three hands are up. Um, Let's see what we can do here. Area code 970, you're on the air. Hi, this is Cindy in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. Uh, Hi, Cindy. Calling from the same place as Stuart. Uh, it's interesting. Brad and Stuart had a long phone call yesterday. So they're starting to hook up, which is great. Um, My question is regarding canceling the goal. I'm really working hard on that particular piece of the worksheets and just the work in general. And I was wondering if Dr. Tim, you and maybe Michelle could explain when you cancel a goal, how you personally do that. Do you uh, have visualizations? Do you have a sort of a ritual routine of uh, saying certain things, combining them with breathing? 
uh, this morning, um, Brad and I have been working on tapping, and I tried to combine it with tapping. And I'm wondering, Dr. Tim, if you have any comments on that or suggestions. Rather than just saying, you got to cancel the goal, and rather than me just saying, okay, I'm canceling this goal, um, I'm, I guess I'm looking for other ideas on how to okay. actually experience that. Okay, well, um, that word experience that you used is a key. So I would encourage you to do the experiential part of this. And to begin with, when I start to cancel a goal or I try to learn about canceling a goal, it's a very awkward thing. I was raised in a culture where I was only taught to set and achieve goals and set and achieve and set and achieve and set and achieve. I wasn't even taught that canceling a goal was an option or a possibility. I wasn't taught how to frame a goal so that I could be sure that it was in line with my values and my priorities and my relationship interests. I wasn't taught how to select a goal and be able to maintain attention for it. I was only taught set them and achieve them and set them and achieve them. So in the beginning of this process, I'm learning about a whole new set of tools that my mind has access to, skills that I can develop, and I'm learning about what that experience is like inside of me. So when I first begin the process, I'm simply practicing the mechanical phrase to say, I cancel the goal. And the value of that comes from understanding. It begins with understanding that as odd as it might sound, there's a part of my mind that actually listens to what I say. And when I try to teach people about this, I go to my experience with memory programs. And I used to have the illusion that I had a really poor memory, and so I paid for, read, and practiced at least five different memory programs. And what was interesting is every single one of those memory programs shared this information. If I want to tell you the name of the last memory program that I read and it doesn't come right into my mind, statistically significantly more often, if I say, oh, darn, I can't remember, then three seconds, 30 seconds, 30 minutes, or three days from now, when that piece of information bubbles up in my brain, my brain is probably going to say, oh, never mind, he, he can't remember it, he doesn't need it. And statistically significantly more often, if I go to remember something, that the name of a course of something I wanted to tell you, and it doesn't come to me, if I simply say, just a minute, Cindy, it'll come to me, and I move on, then three seconds, 30 seconds, 30 minutes, or three days later, when it comes up, I'll remember it. It'll come into my awareness, and I'll go, oh, there it is, and I'll email Cindy and say, here's the name of that course. So my mind, my brain actually listens to what I say. So if I begin with this understanding, if you don't understand the, the power and, and the reason for it, I strongly encourage you to download the 24-and-a-half-minute PowerPoint presentation that's available on our website at ygan.org and watch Bill Costantino's presentation about 
the core of the forgiveness process and the need to cancel goals and how it's tied to perception. So once I have that in my mind, and then I begin to literally practice the mechanical process of simply telling my mind, okay, I'm canceling the goal. Then the next important, very important step is I don't rush away. I take a breath and I pay attention to what I notice in my mind and my body. I take another breath and I notice what it feels like to just relax and actually pretend, okay, this thing that was so important to me 10 seconds ago, I'm now going to say it's not important to me. And just notice what I feel in response to that. So there's an experience, a felt sense that I need to tune into, that I need to practice my ability to be aware of. Meditation helps here. Mindfulness training helps here. The Ho'oponopono practice helps here. Byron Katie's work would help here. Anything that gets me to slow down the conscious, logical mind that's always trying to figure things out, put it on the shelf, even if it's just for 30 seconds, and ask to be shown from some bigger, more powerful intelligence than my conscious, logical mind, what's actually causing my upset? And every time I say I cancel the goal and move to the next step, I ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating my upset, and then I just breathe and experience, I will start to learn what the goal-canceling process is like for me personally, what it feels like when I'm still holding on to a goal that I just said I canceled, and what it feels like when I start to release and ease up on it. Is this making any sense? It makes great sense. Yeah. Makes it last night makes last it night actually in, very, in the, very simple. Good. Last night in the support group I found myself talking about how I'm doing it correctly. Every time I do a worksheet, I'm doing a mini session of self hypnosis. I'm doing a mini session of inducing a trance or an altered state. I'm doing a mini session of a meditation or a mindfulness practice. Every single worksheet. And it may only last that meditation piece or that mindfulness piece, that altered state may only last for 30 seconds or two or three minutes as I'm going through step five, B, and now I've canceled the goal and I have to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this upset. And there's a pattern that I do when I do this worksheet. After people read everything that's in the worksheet process on step 5B, and that says, I invite Ruka Dakucha or whatever higher power or higher consciousness or light, love, universe, whatever you want, God, your, your great-grandma Betty, whoever, invite some power other than your conscious logical mind. I invite it to incline me toward healing, restore me to my newborn state of love, heal my denial, and my capacity to generate my feeling in this particular worksheet, whatever the negative feeling was, and help me open a direct conscious relationship with 
and gently remove the dissociated and projected parts of my carbon-based memory. We ask people to take a breath at each of those phrases, put a check mark in the box, and then we ask people to put their pens down and silently inside their own mind, with their eyes closed, repeat the words that I say out loud. And those words are, I cancel my need to be right, I cancel my need for anyone or anything else to change, including myself. I specifically cancel my goal in this worksheet process for the target to do this or that. I put my conscious logical mind on the shelf for a moment, and I ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this upset. And then breathe and just allow whatever happens. Watch what images pop up. I'm not consciously searching through my past looking for anything. The mind that would search is on the shelf, and I'm just watching what images come up. How old am I? Where am I? Who else is there and what's happening? And then I repeat. I cancel my need to be right. I cancel my need for anyone or anything else to change. I specifically cancel my goal in this worksheet. I put my conscious logical mind on the shelf, and I ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating my upset. And then I breathe again. And I let people stay in that breathing and, and just repeating that I cancel my need to be right, and I ask to be shown the hidden part of my mind until an image comes up, they have a shift in the emotion, they get an insight, or they realize they're just not going anywhere and they're, and they're not getting anything. They've gone blank. And then we ask them to take a breath and move on to step 6A. Write a feeling word after you scan your body, how you're feeling now. And in that process of slowing down and tuning into what happens in my mind and body when I say those words, I cancel my goal and I ask to be shown, that's what teaches me how to let go and what it feels like when I've canceled the goal and let it go. That's helpful. Wonderful. It's extremely helpful. This whole show is great. I'm going to be listening to it again in just a few minutes. So thank you very, very much. Well, you're very welcome. We appreciate the call. And uh, say hello to Brad for us. And um, I'm glad you were able to hook up with anybody else out there who's like mine. Yeah. We finally found someone here that is actually doing the work. So we're very excited. Excellent, excellent. Well, and he also had a call on Monday where he had a great question. It sparked Mm -hmm. a lot of good conversation, and Rex chipped in and Michelle chipped in. So that's another show you could listen to if you haven't already. Uh, We have, but it's worth another listen. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for calling. We're down to our last minute, so Michelle... Have that outro set up, and is it time for Ready. me to say, "People have your best year yet of your eternal life," and join Michael and Jeannie again tomorrow and Friday. And we we greatly appreciate your being here. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Doctor Michael Rice, and his wife Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www.whyagain.com.